0: Sitting about, I was sitting here thinking about that song this morning, just a little bit, what you're saying, "We well, yet not I, but Christ who is in me, right? Um, I think um, a lot of times we sing these words and we really don't know what they mean to us. And I would suspect that what we're singing about is God's grace working in us. And I was thinking while we were singing that song, how does that work? And I thought, you know, when it comes down to it, If I'm born again and I have Jesus Christ who is in me, then what happens is he gives me a sense of direction. And he even adds to helping me to set my will to do what he has called me to do. Does that make sense what I said? Um, If it's in a moment when somebody is maybe attacking you, um, not physically always, but maybe verbally, Maybe that's the moment that the Lord who is in you actually is prompting you to think a certain way, and then he's inviting your will to join him. Does that make sense, what I just said? Because that's really what it comes down to. Um, this morning, we're going to be finishing or going. I keep saying that every week. We, we're not finished yet. <laughs> um, we're going to be going through 1 Corinthians still. And, um, you know, I just want to, before we get started, I want to say to you that um, as far as the COVID that it's been going around, I want you all to understand we're dependent upon each one of you being smart about it, right? So we encourage you to wear your mask. You don't have to, but we do say to stay socially distant from each other and then also make sure that if you're not feeling well to stay home. Some have today, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, just to be careful, we, we lost a teacher at Liberty Middle School, and it's been quite a, quite a shock. And um, just a really good guy. He's not replaceable. Nobody's replaceable. And I uh, just want to make sure that, you know, first of all, you're taking care of yourselves, and we're taking care of each other, and make sure that you're praying for Liberty Middle School. Um, anyway. So, I was telling you last week, I started to talk about, you know, when I uh, heard my friend use the term salvation. If you remember the story, I said, when I was probably 12 or 13, I think the first time that I ever heard anybody use the term salvation, I I, I was actually from a tradition where we believed that when you were uh, literally baptized with water, that was the moment of your salvation. Um, So the first time I heard that term, I really didn't know what was going on, and and, and I would ask my friend to clarify it, and so what was interesting is that uh, when I I started to think through that a little bit, I thought to myself that if I was able to receive salvation, then I would no longer have to worry about anything in the world, uh, because I had a lot of uh, difficulty sleeping when I was a kid, believe it or not. I might have told some of you this in the past that I was always afraid that I might not wake up in the morning. I don't know if any other kids ever um, experienced that, but I would always try to make sure that me and God were on good terms just in case I didn't wake up. I know it sounds so silly, but I used to do those things. And I remember thinking, boy, if I could just get saved, I wouldn't have to worry about any of that anymore. I could go about and live my life and, and just be happy Finally be happy and not worried about what might happen in the afterlife, and that was really the extent of it and and the reason i 'm sharing this with you is because I, I just really believe that when we think of god 's grace, we certainly don 't really understand what god 's grace is capable of, and that was why I was sharing with you about the not I but Christ who is in me concept because I suspect because I'm being reborn on the inside, right? I'm being reborn on the inside. He's changing me that I am beginning to think differently. He's recreating what was in my heart. He's straightening all this craziness out. And I'm just throwing this stuff out at you real quick, but just follow along. And I really believe that what God wants to do is he doesn't just want to save us. He wants to free us from the consequence of sin, but he also wants to free us from having to sin, if that makes sense, because what would happen to me once I got to the idea where maybe I might be able to be saved and not have to worry about the consequences of sin, I found that what it would do sometimes is it actually caused me to not worry about sinning anymore, which then meant that I actually sinned a little more. Um, Some of you might have heard a great philosopher named Axel Rose. Um, He said, I used to do a little, but a little wouldn't do it, and a little got more and more, right? And um, (laughs) y'all come on back up here, let's play it. But but I I mean, it was so true, and what was happening, what's he saying, and exactly what I was experiencing, is that I, um I, I just, there are things that I was bound to in my life, and I would try to be good. I'd try to do a little bit better, but then I couldn't do it. And so finally, I just wanted to get saved from the consequences of all that because in my will, I could not overcome stuff that I was doing that I should not be doing. And so I wanted to be free from all that, and so that's what I would do. And so, if, if the forgiveness aspect, when I found out about salvation, was all that it took, so I can tell you that when I went to a party, right, when I was underage and I would go to a party, I would just go ahead and ask for forgiveness before I did all of the stuff I wasn't supposed to do. Y'all understand what I'm saying here, because I thought I had some freedom from the consequences of sin but the freedom was actually causing me to commit more sin. It sounds crazy what I'm saying right now, but that's what happens. And so really what's happening when you, if you're, if you're in my shoes now as a pastor or a Christian, whatever, when, you're, when you come to uh, this, this moment where you're serving the Lord, what you find in life on top of that is that once you get past understanding salvation just in terms of, freeing me from not worrying about the sin I commit, actually transforming me so that I don't sin as often as I was, then what you finally understand is that there are people out there who are misinformed. And so what happens, especially in my, in my experience, sometimes you might even experience where people know you're a Christian and what they expect then is that they can treat you however they see fit because you're bound to give grace. I don't know if anybody's ever experienced that before. You know, uh, I know you all can't believe I have a temper, um, but I do, and so I, I'll tell my wife sometimes, "Why, well, if I wasn't a Christian, if I wasn't a preacher, and you know, you know what's really happening, though, is my heart's revealing itself in that moment. You all know that, right? So there's some work to be done. But when people do things, and, 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 and I know that they're trying to get grace from me, the thing that we should, it shouldn't be that I have to forgive them that upsets me. What should upset me is that they're misusing the grace, the freedom that God is giving them. You see, what happens with this, and, and I titled this message, Freedom Doesn't Harm Others. I know that sounds silly, But when you start talking about freedom to people because of God's grace, sometimes people think that now, like I did when I was young, that because God has removed the consequences of of what I should expect in eternal life, they can now just go about their own business as they always wanted to do, and they hurt others when they do it. So I'm just, I'm just trying to qualify this because last week we had, some, we had a warning passage, right? We had a warning passage and I told you and I'm gonna tell you again, because some of this is so straightforward in Scripture, what we're going through, I want you to know before we get there, God will always forgive those who repent and turn to him. He will always forgive you If you will turn back to him, you can't sin enough that he's not going to be able to save you. Do you understand what I'm saying? His grace is not limited. His grace will save you, but his grace is also not limited that it can't also transform you too, right? And so we've been talking about this a little bit, and I'm talking about the freedom now that comes with God's grace. I want you to understand that when we get to these passages again this week, as we're still in the middle of chapter 6, that there are issues in here, and um, there's actually some topics in here that I want you to know that if you are someone who is struggling with difficult things in your life right now, you 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 can be transformed if you'll seek after Jesus, and he will forgive you. Okay? I want to make sure everybody understands that because uh, sometimes when we start preaching or teaching from these passages it can almost sound like we're all doomed we are not everything is possible with our god amen all right so i want to go ahead and qualify that by saying follow the themes right we've been following the themes in first corinthians we know that in first corinthians what was happening was that there was some worldly wisdom That was seeping into the church, and so what we said several weeks ago, we said that what was happening is the world was actually influencing the church instead of the church influencing the world, and Paul is actually taking issue with this. In fact, some people within the church had sent a letter and said, "Um, I'm not sure we're doing right, Paul. What do you think about what we're doing? So Paul fires a letter off to the Corinthian church and says, look. This, is, this isn't right what you're doing. You need to co- take corrective measures right now. And so we also dealt with some issues where um, Paul was dealing with a guy who was living with his mother, okay? Uh, in, not his mother, at least his father's wife, I'll say that. We don't know for sure that it was his mother, but it seems to be implied. But he was living with his father's wife as husband and wife, and so this was a problem. And so... Paul had to deal with this. And remember, all the way through, there's a couple of things that Paul keeps coming back to. He says in chapter 3, and he's going to say it again in this chapter, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means, again, I just say it again, you and I, when we come together, we, we are literally in the body of Christ. Jesus Christ is among us in the flesh again through us okay that's what's happening so we're temples of the holy spirit that's exactly what we are and so paul then says also keep in mind the day of the lord is coming so all of this is in the background and so paul is trying to convey to the first corinthians or not the first the corinthians he wants them to know that they it does matter how they treat god and treat each other and how they behave ethically with, within the community that they're in and within their own community. And so I'm going to go ahead and qualify it with this too. We know 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is coming, and that's the communion passage. And that's the communion passage where we are going to learn that you can take communion, that Lord's Supper, in an unhealthy way. Okay, And we'll get to that at a later time. But it matters how we treat our God and we treat each other. Don't ever lose sight of that. So I'm going to go ahead and just tag on to where we left off last week. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 to 20. And this comes right after the wrongdoers who will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And before I start, I'm just going to say this. The letter is written to the church, not to the world. The world doesn't care what Jesus Christ thinks because they don't believe in Jesus, and they have rejected him, okay? Let's look at it. Verse 12 says this. I have the right to do anything you say, But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. And that means bodily, y'all. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually against their own body, do you, but whoever, sorry, whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So I'm just going to Go ahead and start with the first thing I want you to see this morning. Christians do not harm others with their freedom because freedom does not ignore God's law. Now, this is a huge debate within Christianity. I can tell you right now, this is something, this is actually controversial and I get that because you and I, we've heard many ministers, well-meaning ministers tell you, thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ because he has saved us from having to observe the law. Um, Nobody can fulfill the law, and so we don't have to worry about that. But let's just hold on for a second, because what I was telling you earlier is this, that God's grace, it saves us because we are limited with our abilities, but God's grace also transforms us. Because remember the song, not I, but Jesus who is in me. Y'all with me? So it's not me, my will can only take me so far. But what's happening is that the Lord in his mercy and his grace will take me the rest of the way if I will follow him. So what's happening then, freedom does not harm others, right? And it will harm others if we ignore the law because we know in the 10 commandments, for instance, the first four commandments, those are how we love the Lord. The last six commandments, these are how we take care of our neighbors and love our neighbors. In fact, Jesus would say that it how we treat our neighbors is how he can measure our love for him. That's quite a statement. Because we know that we see people on a regular basis who talk about how they love the Lord, but not only do they hate people, but they actually hate people within the church. And the people who are within the church, if they, have the bo- if they are the body of Jesus Christ and they are the temple of Jesus, then who are they hating? Just throwing that out there free of charge. So what Paul is saying then to the Corinthians is you can't ignore the law. Because of God's grace, it does not enable you to ignore the law because God's law then is about how we treat each other ethically. How we love one another, how we don 't take advantage of each other god 's law is meant to keep us all free together. Sometimes, I have students come up to me and they 'll tell me about how they want to be free they can 't stand the rules at school and um, they can 't stand their teachers they can 't stand the principal. they get tired of being told they can 't do this, they can 't do that and, and and I understand, but what 's actually what they 're actually saying to me is that they want to be free to do what they want to do. Kind of like what I was saying, right? I said, you know, I want to get saved so that I no longer have to worry about the consequences so I could go ahead and do what I want to do. And that's what they're saying, but here's the problem. When I talk to him about it, I'll say, have you ever really thought through what those rules are about? I mean, are they just something meant to keep you down as an individual? Or are they something that actually benefits the people as a whole? Because if I'm told that um, if I want to please the Lord and I should not steal from somebody, then it's probably a good thing for you that I don't do that, right? That's probably what's happening. So if you're told that you can't steal from someone else and you want to please the Lord, then for sure if I have anything, it's a good thing for me because then you're not taking from me. And so what happens then, I'm actually, because we're observing these rules together, we're actually being free together. But I always say, but your freedom that you're talking about, it actually is creating the ability to harm someone else. Now, where they always trip up is when I say, so what if everybody takes that mode and says, okay, well, if we're all going to be free to do what we want, then what might happen to you? right? You see, this is what Paul's saying to them. You know, we're not going to throw aside the law of God because the law of God was meant to actually help Israel to live a a, a free life in the promised land. Because I always tell you, it's not just about the destination of the promised land that we're serving the Lord. It was also because of the way of life that the Lord offers. Because it's vastly different than the way of life than what they had in Egypt, because when they were in Egypt, they were always being taken advantage of, right? So this is the freedom. So the freedom would be, I'm going to be in the promised land, and I'm not going, because of God's grace, if I'm putting it into New Testament terms, because of God's grace that enables us, gives us a better chance to obey the Lord, now that way of life is actually attractive to me. This is what I want. So it shouldn't be that it makes me free to take advantage of someone and hurt someone else. And how many Christians do we come across, I talk to them on a regular basis, that come across with the idea that, well, you know, nobody's perfect. We're going to sin. God knew that. That's why he gave his son so that we wouldn't have to worry about going to hell. Isn't that what I said when I was 13 and never read the Bible in my life? That doesn't work. I'm from the school of thought that says, there's just no way that I think Jesus Christ came and, and God gave his only begotten son and he shed his precious blood on the cross so that you and I could continue to destroy ourselves. There's just no way that makes sense to me. I'm sorry, but it makes more sense to me that I can escape from all of the sin I've committed the consequences of it, but then not to just escape from it, but I can actually overcome being locked into that habitual way of doing wrong constantly to everyone. I can do that because of the grace of Jesus Christ. So then I would understand freedom is actually, it makes us free, free to love one another according to the law of God. In fact, Paul would say, The law was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And if you have love for the Lord and your neighbors in the right way, then the law is being fulfilled by Jesus Christ through you and I. So it doesn't ignore the law. Well, let's look at the next thing I want you to see. Um, Christians do not harm others with their freedom because freedom does not misuse what is good. So I apologize to the young people in here, but it's in Scripture, we're not going to hide from it. Sex is not a bad thing, is it? As long as it's within the context of marriage, right? So Paul is actually telling them, because you know what's going on in Corinth at this time is that if you take a look at chapter 7, we know that's coming, um, there's probably some trouble between the man and wife in the bedroom, we would say. But also, um, if you've heard me talk about idolatry in the past, you know that as what's so unique about the Ten Commandments is that it takes away the opportunity for us to continue to commit idolatry. And why God doesn't like idolatry is that somehow we're trying to put ourselves close to heaven on our own terms. Because we're trying to serve in our own way And so what's always tied to idolatry, and especially the worship of other gods, is sexual immorality. And it's not just one sin, it's all of it, right? Because sexual immorality is, you know, I know the church picks and chooses what we want to be upset at, but when you look at what Scripture's saying, it's the whole gamut of sexual immorality. In other words, we could just nullify all the argument right now and say, Here's where it comes to. Sex is good in the context of marriage between a man and wife, which is exactly what Paul is saying to the Corinthians. He says, the two shall become one flesh because it's the mystery of God. In fact, when I do weddings, uh, I always tell the, the prospective bride and groom, I'll say, you know, I don't know there's a mystery to God, but there's something mysterious that God is doing in us when he puts us together. And so we know what that is, that it, that it is actually a good thing. In fact, it actually is how the marriage is consummated, right? It actually solidifies the marriage between man and woman. And so they become one. And it's very much like when God said, or Paul says that because we're the temple, right, our spirit and his spirit are one. Y'all see in that, right? So the freedom that we have with, with the grace of Christ then doesn't allow us to be like the Corinthian men who then went to the other temples where prostitution was taking place and said, you know what? Hey, food for the stomach, stomach for the food, right? You know what that means, especially if the day of the Lord is coming. Here's what we can do. We can go ahead and do what we want We can indulge ourselves because when the day of the Lord comes, only thing that the Lord cares about is our soul. So when the day of the Lord comes, our bodies and all of these things that we do, all of the appetites that seem contrary to the Lord, it doesn't matter because God's grace freed us from the um, terrible things that may await us in eternal life. We could just go ahead and do what we want and gratify ourselves y'all listen to me when i tell you this that's not the truth is it have you how many times you hear a preacher or a well-meaning christian say your soul's what matters to god well, i'm going to tell you something your whole body matters to god your mind body soul and strength matters to god In fact, that's what he's talking about. He's like, listen, you know what? Jesus was bodily raised from the dead, and guess what? Those of you who follow the Lord, mind, body, soul, and strength, those of you who have given yourselves to the Lord in this way, you too will be raised from the dead bodily. So he says, if you are going into prostitutes, then you have to be aware that you are uniting yourself with a prostitute, which then means that you're also uniting Jesus Christ with a prostitute. That's very troubling. You know, when I was a youth pastor, I would tell the kids, because I would say, look, um, you know, they would try to tell me, oh, Scott, you know, God doesn't care if I drink a 12-pack. God doesn't care if I smoke a little pot here and there they tell me that stuff all the time and I would say to them um but what if he was there with you would you still do it now I'm going to go ahead and tell you there would always be a wisecracker that would say well yeah man yeah I would do I don't think that though I don't know that that would be true and so what I would say to them is if you wouldn't do that while the Lord is with you then why would you do it because here's what they didn't understand if, the, if you are a believer who has received Christ, then the Lord who is in you is with you when you do good or bad. And so Paul says, your freedom isn't designed to give you the ability to continue to do bad. One more thing before I get off this. Two more, actually. In Deuteronomy... The Lord was very specific. He said, listen, when you get to the land that I'm giving you, don't you dare worship me like the Canaanites worship their gods. Because the Canaanites were sexually immoral. That was part of their worship. And that was a lot of what was going on in Corinth with the temple prostitutes or the other gods. It was an act of worship. They were committing idolatry. And so when you think of good being misused, I want you to understand something. As I said a minute ago, sex is great in within the context of marriage between a man and wife. It's good. But here's the problem. When you misuse it, that is actually the definition of evil. That's what wrongdoers do. And maybe in the King James, it actually might have said in the verse that we didn't read above, I'd say seven to, verses seven to eleven, where it says wrongdoers will not inherit the eternal, will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. In other words, the King James would say the evil doers. Those who do evil break the law. Those who do evil are committing idolatry. Let's move on to the last thing I want you to see. Christians do not harm others with their freedom because freedom does not hurt the church. Uh, you know there's so much craziness going on in our world right now, right? I mean, I mean all you got to do is turn on the news, and what just blows my mind is for the, the the I guess the the fact that we have so many churches, so many people who write themselves down as believers of who Jesus Christ is, and they, and they say they follow him. And I know that in the book of James, it says the prayers of a righteous man avails much. So he, he, he's basically saying someone who's living righteously, their prayers can, can really reach the, the, the heavens, if you will. And so I'm always thinking then, why can't we pray some of the foolishness out of existence, right, that we experience? I think it's because we Christians sometimes think that that grace that we receive from the Lord has, it enables us to do as we see fit, and so what we saw in our passage is that the Corinthian church had Christians who were being sexually immoral. Now look, in God's law, you have the ceremonial law. You also have civil law, but you have moral law. Moral law is never nullified. It's not nullified. If we're being sexually immoral with each other or with others within the community, I can tell you that we are actually lifting Jesus Christ up for public shame and it's being done by his people. So when he says you hurt the body, he's meaning you hurt yourself specifically, but not just yourself. And you should read that again, what I just read. You actually are harming the body of Christ. Do you remember what I said's coming? Chapter 11 is coming, that talks about taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy fashion. Because if we're putting Jesus Christ up for public shame again, we're the same as crucifying him all over again. And if you don't believe me, you can read it in the book of Hebrews for yourself. Those who have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ no longer live as the world does. We live distinct from the world. We live differently. We live so much differently that the world thinks that we're crazy and we're crazy for Jesus. You might be somebody this morning as just thinks, Pastor Scott, I think that you're wrong, and that's fine, right? You can do that. But I know this, I'm going to take my cues from the Word of God. I am going to follow the Word of God. Uh, You know, the thought that comes into my head is, you know how Christians are so adamant about putting the Word of God back into school right now? What if they were adamant about doing what the Word of God says? I don't think it would matter if the Word of God was in schools. What if we started living by the word of God in our homes, right? And we started doing what he says and we started obeying him because remember, my will can only take me so far because I'm relying on his grace and what, if, I, if the Lord who is in me, not I but Christ who is in me, if he is prompting me to do what's right, then I do as well as I can but then the Lord's gonna take his grace and pull me the rest of the way. What if we started allowing him to do that more often, instead of just looking at his grace as a freedom to just go ahead and do what we want, and then just go and say, "Well, I'll just ask for forgiveness later, Because if you're doing that this morning, you might as well do what I did when I was at a party, where I before I do something, I just say, "Lord, please forgive me. Got that out of the way. Now I'll go do what I want." That's called hardening your heart. That's what that is. And you're not going to get grace from that. I just want to go ahead and let you in on a little secret. God doesn't forgive you. You're not outsmarting him. You might be somebody this morning that thinks that um, maybe it was out of line for me to address the sexual immorality issue. Well, that's fine too. We're going chapter by chapter. And this is why I do it, because it forces me to have to deal with stuff that is difficult to deal with. And it is difficult to deal with. But I know this, God's grace can save you, can save me. He has saved me. He is saving me now. And I want to follow his commands, not my own. And I know if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Didn't we just sing that? That's what he can do. And I can tell you right now that we have got to get away from thinking that we can do things that are egregious to each other and think that we are still going to heaven. If you're a believer this morning, read it for yourself. If you're someone this morning that thinks that it doesn't matter what you do to the church, shouldn't matter to those around you, I can tell you that Relationships in God's kingdom are very important. Even the relationships that we have with our enemies are important to Him. And if we're doing wrong by our neighbors, and I'm just going to define that if we're doing evil with our neighbors, you and I are being fooled. Because the church enables, we actually love our neighbors enough that we're turning them from sin, we don't enable them to sin by joining in with them. That's not what we do. Because if I jump in with them, I'm loving myself instead of loving my God and my neighbor. Hopefully, y'all come back next week. But I don't think you would have any respect for me as a pastor if I ignored this passage and just went on to where everything's okay, would you? If you're like me, you want somebody to tell you the truth. Tell me the truth. I might not like it. But if it's true, I'll wrestle with it, right? If you're like me, that's what you'll do. You know what I suspect? If every Christian just here in Pickens County would reevaluate what God's freedom is meant to do and understand that freedom that we have in him doesn't enable us to harm others. It enables us to love others in the right way. I believe a lot of our communities would begin to turn around. I really do. I say this every week. But I believe that not, I believe our communities would turn around, but I believe our homes would actually turn around and people would begin to, living the life that is like flowing with milk and honey. Isn't that what the Lord said to the Israelites when they went to the promised land? What was that? Yes, it was literally milk and honey, but also the way of life that was vastly different than when they were in Egypt. Egypt. If you don't want that life, then it's possible you're probably just trying to escape a consequence. And I can tell you, your heart has to be changed. And if your heart isn't changed, then you're not walking with Jesus. So this morning, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk with the Lord, But Paul spent a lot of time writing a letter to the first, well, the church, or church at Corinth, First Corinthians, right? Wasted a lot of valuable ink. I had a professor one time used to talk about how he hated to waste his ink by putting X's on wrong answers because it's hard to buy that stuff, right? And it was funny when he said it, but I can tell you it was seriously hard to get ink when Paul was writing He's not gonna write some fluff. If you need to return to Jesus Christ this morning and make him holy, your Lord and Savior, then come on down and pray. And if you're not comfortable with praying right here at the altar, I understand that too because you remember last week I said, There was no way I was gonna walk down that aisle, my little, the church was smaller than this, and get up and go into the baptismal behind me. I knew that. I wanted to do it privately. And I can tell you right now that I am willing to pray with you after service if you feel like praying to receive Christ or just to return to Him. But God's grace will make you free, but free to love Him and others Not free to do as you see fit in your own eyes that actually harms those around you. That's not what that grace is. You may just need to ask the Lord to help you correct that in your in your prayer time. So with all heads bowed and eyes closed, if you want to come, you can come. I'll just wait a moment. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now, Lord, we're so grateful for your love for us, Lord, and Lord, I know that I want to be free, but free in the right way, and I pray, Father, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice that's struggled with anything I've said, Lord, I pray that you would speak to their heart through the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would impress upon them that, Lord, we are a different people because of you being in our lives, that we don't operate the way the rest of the world does Lord we operate as those do on earth who are trying to mimic what's going on in heaven right now so Father if there's anybody within the sound of my voice Lord that needs to have your help this morning I pray that they are speaking to you right now and that you are helping them Father I pray that you'd help us to always serve you And Father, I pray that you go with us now and bring us back again safely Wednesday and Sunday. For it's in Christ's name we pray. And God's people said, Amen.